everyone and welcome to She Trails podcast with me, Julia. Here we celebrate female trail runners, the outdoors and movement. This is a podcast that aims to inspire you to explore new paths and seek your own adventures, whatever they may be. In today's episode, I am joined by Emma Stewart, an endurance athlete based in the Lake District. She tells us more about her latest and longest race ever, Tour des Géants 330, in September 2023. Such an exciting and inspiring story. We also discuss how she found her true love of running with the longer distances, how to train for them, and her thoughts on getting more women on the starting lines of trail running races. It was awesome talking with Emma, and I hope her story will inspire you to lace up your own shoes and find joy in being in nature. Enjoy the episode. Hi Emma, uh, welcome to the podcast. Really nice to meet you as well. Um, how are you today? Yeah, good, thank you. Yes, how are you? Yes, I'm great, actually. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Um, I'd like to start the podcast with a quick intro on who you are in your own words. Yes, yeah, so my name is Emma Stewart. Uh, I currently live in Penrith, which is near the Lake District in Cumbria. Um, I am a farm vet by day, uh, but I am an ultra runner by night and weekends, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> pretty tight schedule I imagine <laughs> yeah particularly days like today it was pretty busy today it was horrific but anyway oh. part of the job <laughs> yeah sorry to hear <laughs> okay uh, before we dive into all of this um if we take a little step back were you already active and into sports as a child no I was not a sporty child at all um in fact I had fond memories of being last in pretty much all of the sports days um, yeah didn't really do any sports at university either I did some rock climbing which I really enjoyed um, yeah particularly got into that in kind of third fourth fifth year so did a lot of climbing um, but no never ran um, only started running probably about five years ago um, but yeah I kind of started running and kind of realized reasonably early on I was like oh hang on a minute I can kind of run reasonably quickly as well I'm not a fast runner but I can run a slow pace for a very long time um and I suppose yeah when I started doing a few ultra marathons I realized oh hang on a minute I can run for very long periods of time even if it's not very fast and uh yeah and that was kind of where I found my niche and um yeah and I've just kind of up the distances so I kind of started out my very first race was a half marathon um and then well I did two ha uh, three half marathons and then I jumped straight from a half marathon up to a 50k race um and yeah that was where I kind of really kind of found my feet and, and really enjoyed that and then I've, I've never really bar a couple of shorter fell races uh yeah I've never really gone back on the distance I've always done 50 kilometers and more probably if, <clears throat> my favorite distance is probably 100 miles it's kind of my my niche my my area of interest um yeah and then I've just recently delved into the 200 mile distance but that's uh that's a big step up <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean you were still amazing at it as well um but I'm curious to know like because I I do have marathons and I still struggle to see myself run a 50k after that. What made you want to do that jump and straight from half marathon to 50k? 
Uh, to be honest, it was probably my partner. He's run for a lot longer than I have. Um, and he really liked the idea of running an ultramarathon. So I thought, oh, I'm sure I can give it a go as well. Um, so, yeah, I did the 50K. So it was a, it's a fantastic race on the Isle of Man. Uh, called the Manx Mountain Marathon. Um, it basically is a 50-kilometre race that goes from the top of the island to the bottom across all the mountains. And it's a superb race. It's just fun. It's just cracking. So, so beautiful. And we were really lucky with the weather. Um, and I had a really good day. And um, I'd never actually run more than 20 miles. Um, the furthest I'd ever run was 20 miles when I did that race. Um, but, yeah, I just, yeah, I seemed to really enjoy it. I was quite lucky I finished second female which I was kind of surprised by um given I hadn't really trained properly for it but yeah that was kind of um it seemed a bit intimidating at the time to jump from a half marathon to 50 kilometers but you just break it up it's only really four half marathons so no it's not even no it's not even four half marathons it's basically two and a bit half marathons and the 50 miles is four marathons four half marathons but yeah so you just break it up and um for me I like to break things down into percentages so I remember that like I still remember in that first race and I do that now I still do it now like I'll run if it's a 50 kilometer race I'll run 5k and I'll be like wow that's 10 percent I'm already 10 percent of the way there that's amazing and then you do yeah and then you you do 10 kilometers and you're like wow I'm 20 percent of the way there and um uh yeah and I, I find that kind of helps breaking it up like that and that's saying the glass half full <laughs> for sure <laughs> uh, the good thing about ultra marathons is there's usually aid stations so there's usually a lot of aid stations where you can get food water etc and um that i find is a great morale booster because there's usually lots of helpful people there people who are cheering you on people who want to make your experience as positive as possible so having you know even on that sort of distance yeah just thinking about oh well I'll just get to the next checkpoint so the most important thing I think with that ultramarathon distance is just breaking it up into sections and um and then it you know before long it's just the whole thing is ticked by and you're heading to the finish line so yeah a lot of people are intimidated by it but in fact I would probably say for me I would say that a 50 kilometer race is probably mentally easier and probably physically easier than a 13-mile road run where you're running non-stop for 13 miles, whereas when you're doing an ultramarathon, you can walk, you can take a break at the aid stations, etc. So it's a lot more, um, for me, the 50-kilometer distance is a lot easier than a, a half-marathon distance. Hmm. Like it's a bit more of an adventure, I guess. You can take it a bit more easy, enjoy the scenarios. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's no shame in walking hills or, or like I say, stopping to sit down at the aid stations. You know, it's especially with trail running, like it's so much more about the the journey and the scenery and the people. And yeah, there's so much more to it than, yeah, like a, you know, a, a half marathon or a marathon, which is on the road. They're completely different, completely different races. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And so since you've started ultra running, you've taken on quite a few races in the UK abroad from different distances. You've won many as well, but really recently, I think it was three weeks ago or so, 
You- uh, yeah, just over two weeks, yeah. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah. So you've taken on and won, actually, uh, Tour des Géants 330, uh, which yeah. is uh, maybe your biggest uh, distance is so far, right? Yes, very much <laughs> yeah. so. Yeah, more more than twice the distance I've done before. Yeah, so 330 is 330 kilometers, right? Yeah, so it actually ended up being 350 kilometers um, because of all the switchbacks and I got lost and things like that. So yeah, there's lots of the yeah. Uh, so it was 350 kilometers. Yeah, so it's okay. Yeah. So even more. <laughs> and <laughs> could you tell us a little bit more about the race, where it is, and how was your experience? Yeah, so Tour de Giants is an absolutely amazing race. Um, it is. Um, in the Aosta Valley, so it starts in Cormayur. Uh, it does a, a huge loop um, uh, around the Aosta Valley, kind of passing through a few towns like um, Cogne, um, Valgrisons, Gressigny, Donas. Um, uh, I'm trying to remember. Olamont. So it basically does a big loop. Um It goes over 25 mountain passes, um, takes you up to an altitude of 3,200 meters at its highest point. Um, and yes, it's just absolutely stunning. It's quite a big race. So 1,300 people started it this year, um, 650 finished. So the completion rate's about 50%, which is actually pretty good. Um, but what makes the race really, really special is the number of refuges and the number of aid stations. So there's about 40 I think it's roughly 48 stations, uh, all providing huge amounts of food. And um, a lot of them provide beds so you can have a sleep. There's showers. Um, and it's just a, a tremendous experience, really. Um, the scenery is absolutely spectacular. Uh, obviously, you spend half of the race in the dark. So there's loads of scenery I didn't get to enjoy because I was running at night. But what I did see was just tremendous. I mean, it's wow and the people the people just make the experience so much more they they literally bend over backwards to to make it as enjoyable as possible for you so there's just ah oh, it's just such a tremendous race so i i felt physically really really good so I, you know physically i didn't have any issues uh bar i did have some foot issues so um because i live in the lake district i basically spend my entire running life uh, with wet feet Um, so I never have any issues when my feet are wet, but when it's dry and hot, I do tend to suffer with blisters. I knew this before I went into the race, uh, but I didn't really do anything about it. <laughs> so, yeah, so the race was really hot right at the start. Did you get a storm? Yeah, so no, no, I did, uh, kind of, yeah. So it was really hot the first two days, which is fine. I, I enjoy physically, I enjoy the heat. Like I don't, I quite like running in hot weather, but my feet don't. So yeah, developed some blisters, but the medics were amazing. Like the medics were just incredible at the life bases, uh, sorted my feet out. I couldn't, I was running, still running really well. But then on the third day, was it the third day? Uh, it'd be the fourth day, the Wednesday, the heavens opened. Um, it got, I mean, the night before there was a lot of rain, a lot of rain and it, thunder and lightning, which was quite uh quite scary really because at that stage in the race I was quite high up 
and I stayed high for the duration of the thunderstorm. So, yeah, it was quite spectacular, the lightning um, and the thunder for the whole night. But at that stage, I was quite badly sleep deprived. Um, so I, I didn't even care that there was like thunder and lightning all around me. I didn't even care at that point if it hit me. If lightning hit me, so be it. <laughs> it was like I had to stop caring. Um, but uh, yeah, so then uh, and then on the morning of we- the Wednesday morning, it started raining again. And, and wow, it was absolutely torrential and it got quite cold. Um, so yeah, at that point, then I started to suffer really badly with blisters because I had obviously like taped them and stuff um, the day before. But because it rained, the tape just disintegrated it just fell off so my feet were pretty bad um but aside from that I felt really good um yeah so it was just, just my feet but that's you can kind of learn to cope with that um and then the other issue I had was sleep deprivation so yeah I I did not get enough sleep at all um and suffered quite badly um in that regard I had never really done the sleep deprivation before, so I uh, didn't didn't really know what it was going to be like. In my head, I thought sleep deprivation, okay, that's um, where you're running along on a trail and you're falling asleep. You know, you're literally, your eyes are just closing. But for me, sleep deprivation wasn't like that. Basically, the only way to describe it is that I stopped um, being able to tell if I was asleep or awake. So basically, even though I was awake, I fully believed I was asleep. Um, And that was quite hard um, because I desperately, you know, I desperately wanted to wake up because I felt like I was in a nightmare uh, and I couldn't. I couldn't wake up because I was already awake. Um, And that's quite a quite a traumatizing um, feeling, really. And it got particularly bad on the descent into Oyas. So um, after this storm, so bearing in mind the storm, I was up on a height, you know, I was up at height, uh, probably up at kind of 2,800 metres, um, got really wet, etc. But then you descend and you descend. I didn't know this at the time because I hadn't done the route before, but you descend for hours and hours and hours. And it's a very gentle gradient, but it just goes on forever. And I knew I was supposed to be descending towards a town, but um i was running through woods so everywhere was dark and i kept turning off my head torch and i just couldn't see any lights i couldn't see any evidence of this town anywhere and i felt like i was running for hours and hours and just didn't seem to be going anywhere and i was looking at my watch because i've got the route on my watch and i was like Right. I can see where I need to be. Like I could see on my watch where Oyas was and I could see the track and I ran and ran and ran and I never seemed to get any closer on my watch. And at that point I was like, what is going on? Like what? Wh- I must be asleep because this is like, I can't understand, like I'm running, but I'm not getting any closer to my destination. And it was at that point, my brain really started to just go into overdrive And I couldn't, I genuinely believed I was asleep and I couldn't wake up. And I even said at one point, I said, because I was so confused about whether I was awake or asleep. I said, right, okay, right. So the the whole route is lined with yellow flags and they reflect in the light in the, with your head torch. And I said, right, I'm going to touch, I'm going to go up to one of these flags and I'm going to touch it. 
And if I can feel it, if I can feel it in my fingers, it must be real and therefore I must be awake. And so I did that. I stopped and I touched a flag and I said out loud, I was like, I'm awake. Ah, what? Okay, I'm awake, right? I must, this must just be my reality. And um, and yeah, and, and that went on for hours until I eventually, I eventually, I got really disorientated. I got lost. I stopped, I, you know, I, I, I got confused and took a wrong turn. And I knew where I needed to be because I was on my watch, but I went to, I, I took a wrong turn to get there. Um, and um, I popped out at this kind of, it was kind of like a farm, I suppose. And I was just like, oh my God, like I'm just in the middle of nowhere. And I kept running. And eventually I ran into the town where I thought I needed to be. And um, I, I I just ran into it. And there was nobody because it was the middle of the night. And I was like, hello? Hello? <laughs> and no response. And I was like, when is oh, this no. nightmare going to end? <laughs> Honestly, that sounds terrifying. Yeah. And then I... And then fortunately, I kept running like this is just you just like it's like a nightmare where you're just running on a treadmill and you're not getting anywhere. And uh, eventually I came around a corner and I saw the flags for one of the sponsors. Um, I think it was like Kylos. I saw this flag on a building and it just snapped me out of it. And I was just like, oh, my God. I, no, I'm hang on a minute. Right. I'm running toward Giants. I'm in Italy. That must be the aid station right okay right let's crack on and I just kind of like woke up from this waking sleep um but I did I ran into the aid station and I just said to my support I was like I don't care I just need to lie down I need I need 20 minutes I desperately need to sleep and then yeah that, that was a really unusual experience for me um and I didn't particularly like it uh, but yeah, it's one of those things. It's it's something I had never experienced before. But you know, I I think the next time I'm in that situ- situation, you know, I've learned from it, and I I'll know that that's that's just my brain so sleep deprived mm. it does doesn't know what to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, so just for the listeners, like you started on the Sunday, right? Yeah. So we started at uh, ten o'clock on Sunday morning, um, and I finished. Uh, so the winning. The winning man, um, uh, Franco Cole, he finished, I think it'll have been, well, he finished 66 hours later. So he'll have finished in the middle of the night, Tuesday night, kind of Wednesday morning. Okay. And then I finished, um, yeah, it was Wednesday evening. It had just gone dark. So I can't remember the exact time, but it must have been about eight o'clock. It was 82 and a half hours, just under 82 and a half hours. Yeah, that's... I mean, amazing and also really long. Um, so was that your biggest length of time running nonstop? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With so little sleep as well. Yeah. So when you get into the refuge, like you say, you can sleep. But do you actually sleep? Like you get into bed and you're able to sleep, or are you still in there? You can. Yeah. No, there are beds and you can sleep. I I stopped at a refuge called La Barma, um, in the second night, uh, where I wanted to sleep. Uh, I wanted to kind of sleep for at least 40 minutes, but I, um, I got there and I just couldn't sleep. I lay down, I got into bed, I lay down, but I just couldn't sleep. Um, and so I lay there for 40 minutes. I maybe got five minutes, maybe 10. Um, but yeah, and then I just got up, but yeah, there, I mean, yeah, if you're, if you're out for longer, you're more than welcome to stay for as long as you want. 
So you can get a good, you know, you're probably not going to get eight hours, but, you know, you can get four or five hours sleep if you want. And I mean, I'm curious because, so you said you're a full-time vet, right? And obviously, like, I wonder how you prepare for such a big challenge. I mean, you prepare your mind, your body for such a big challenge. Why being a full-time vet, which is also quite challenging and, you know, pretty much full-on job. So how do you, how do, you do it? Yeah, you, you just find time, I think. I mean, I'm quite lucky. I've, I chose to go down to four days a week. So although I do work, uh, how many hours do I work? I still work, well, because I do on call. I still work 36 hours plus my on call. So I, I do work 40 hours a week easily. Um, but I still have my Monday. I'm off on a Monday usually. So I still have that, um, which gives me a bit more time. But usually the evenings, I'm not a morning person, so I definitely do not do runs in the morning at all. Um, so, yeah, just do it in the evening. Um, I suppose, yeah, I don't know. My job's quite physical, so that probably consists like that probably helps with the training a bit. So I'm kind of used to long, busy days, um, kind of high stress you know, things like that. So it probably does prepare me reasonably well. I probably don't do as many miles as some athletes, like by by no by all means, just because my job is quite tiring. But um yeah, you just you just learn to fit it around really. I, I don't know. Yeah. You just seem to yeah, you just learn. You give up other things. You give up other hobbies. <laughs> so, yeah. I guess yeah, you have to make it a priority. But I mean I can't even imagine what a long run is when you train for 350 kilometers. Like, <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I'm probably a bit unusual because I do like to go out for really long days. I, I definitely know that there are plenty of people that will never do a long run that's more than like 30 kilometers. Um, but I get a lot of enjoyment out of really long days. So like my weekends when I'm not working, I'm more than happy to go out for, I might go out for eight, nine, 10 hours. Um, I might do... Um, 40 50 60 kilometers it just depends um but yeah i i get enjoyment out of that i i like doing that so to for me going out for 10 hours is not a big deal because i really enjoy it so um i, I don't enjoy it when the weather's rubbish but, <laughs> but still it's part of it and I mean, for the ones that don't know, the Lake District is really beautiful. So I can imagine a day out is pretty, a good adventure out and pretty yeah. stunning. Yeah, yeah, it is. And, you know, the mountains aren't huge. They're not as big as in the Alps by any means. Um, but they're technical. They're difficult. You know, the weather, the weather can be very difficult. Like the weather can be, um, can make it a very hostile environment. Uh, it's very wet, so the ground is quite slow because it's so, I mean, sometimes you're literally like swimming, like it's horrific. Um, so it's a good, it's a good training ground, but it's, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's stunning. I mean, on a, on a beautiful day, there's just, there's nowhere like it. Um, but yeah, it's just amazing. Yeah, it's incredible. I love it here. I would never move. <laughs> Yeah, I would love to actually spend a weekend away at that soon. <laughs> what is one of the best running memory that you have? It can be a race, but it can also be something else. Oh, wow. Probably, for me, probably, it's, I mean, there's millions. This is, this is a really hard question because 
there are millions of running experiences. But probably for me will have been um, Frozen Head State Park in Tennessee, I think. Um, So that's where the Barkley Marathons are run. I got to run, uh, it's a 20-mile loop on the trails um, in Frozen Head State Park. um, And it's just so iconic. Um, Some of it, obviously the Barkley Marathons route is very secretive, but obviously some of the route will go on these trails and for me it was quite special being on some of these trails and um you know I don't know where the Barkley route goes but just imagining where it might go um was pretty special and I think yeah it's uh it's a tough 20 miles but yeah it was just so special I did it with Nikki just Nikki Spinks just before her race um yeah, and I think that's probably one of the most special running adventures for me was that that loop. Cool, I love it. And I guess talking about races, what would be you can say several actually some of your dream challenges or races that you want to take on in the next years? Yeah, so for me, my number one like race that I want to do is Western States. That's just such an iconic race. So yeah, that's probably my number one. Um, the Barkley Marathons, I mean, yeah, I'd absolutely love to do that. Um, I won't be doing it in 2024 because um, I've got other other plans and it doesn't really, applying for it and potentially getting a place doesn't really fit with my, my, my grand plan for next year. But uh, that's certainly something I would love to have a crack at in the future. Um, oh, there's millions of races like... I mean, yeah, again, such a hard question. There's just so many incredible races. I'm not a road runner, but I'm really inspired by Spartathlon. Um, I think it's it's also quite iconic. I quite like the concept, you know, running in the footsteps of Pheidippides. Um, that's this weekend, actually. Uh, so uh, probably by the time this goes out, uh, the, the new winner will have been declared. Um, I really want to see Camille Heron. Um, win the women's so fingers crossed for her um yeah so be interesting to see how she does um but yeah so that's that's something I would I would like to try as well again mostly a road run how would I fare on the road I've no idea but like say I'm just kind of yeah gripped by the concept exciting I mean I heard that western states is also flat in some places right yeah but it's true trail like there's I don't think there's a huge amount of road and you know it's um it, yeah, it's so iconic as well. And the heat, you know, I actually really enjoy running in the heat. So, um, you know, I'd like to, you know, if it was a super hot year, I'd like to see how I can cope at that temperatures. But yeah, that's, I haven't got a place. I have, uh, yeah. So I have to keep chucking my name in the, in the hat to see if I can get through the ballot. <laughs> So, yeah, how do you qualify for the ballot? You have to do certain races, right? It's like UTMB. Yeah, there's certain races, but I should, um, I think definitely Arc of Attrition was a qualifying race, mm-hmm. which I did this year. Um, I'm sure, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm sure Lavaredo will have been as well. I'm pretty sure that will have been. Um, so, yeah, I, I've qualified. I can qualify to get into the ballot, but obviously to get through the ballot's another another yeah. thing. <laughs> okay, I'll cross my fingers for you. Um, okay I just want to finish by asking you 
Because I think you've been on the running since, in, ultra running since, since 2018, right? Or something. Yeah, like roughly. That. Yeah. Yeah. Well, 20, be, my first race was 2019. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, I'd be curious to know your point of view and maybe your experience on how many more women you can see around you. Do you think it's increasing? Because I know, for example, Tour des Géants has quite a low participation rate in yeah. women. Yeah, really low. Yeah. Why do you think that is? And do you think it's increasing and improving? I think it is improving slowly. I would love to see more women on the start line. I think it's such a shame because when you look at the statistics, it appears that women can perform very well over longer distances to the point where that gender gap is really narrow. Um, and I would love to see, well, I suspect if we had participation rates of 50%, at distances over 100 kilometers, I think that you would see a lot, lot, lot more women in the overall top 20. In fact, it could be a very like 50-50 split between men and women in the top 20. And, um, you know, I think the only reason we don't see that is because of numbers. There's just not enough women in there. But like I say, when you look at the performance over those longer distances, Women are just as good as men. And um, yeah, why there aren't more women? I think there's a lot of factors. Um, there was a very famous study. I, I don't know who put, who wrote it, but there was a very famous study about um, men tend to jump at an opportunity, even if they think they might fail. Whereas women will only go for that and, and take that opportunity if they think they've got at least an 80% chance of succeeding. So I think if women don't, don't think they're going to be able to finish that distance, they don't bother trying. Whereas a man's more likely to try. But actually, again, when you look at the statistics, women are more likely to finish than men and they're more likely to do, you know, just as well as men. And um, yeah, I, I think as well, perhaps like people are with some women maybe are worried about um like menstruation i think that's a big issue um you know a lot of a lot of race organizers now are putting kind of protocols in place for that um you know providing portaloos and sanitary products and things like that so i think that that makes a huge difference as well um and being able to cope with those you know those symptoms and and things like that but yeah but Really, there should be no limitations. I think anybody can do these distances. Anybody can succeed and thrive at these distances. And, um, you know, and above all, it's just a great adventure. It's just great to be out in the mountains or on the trails and, and just enjoying, enjoying being out there and appreciating that you can do it because there's plenty of people who can't, who can't do it. So if you can do it, You know, it's it's such a sense of achievement, especially when you finish. I mean, the sense of achievement when you finish is just wow, it's just incredible. You know, you, you because sometimes you go through so much mental turmoil where you're like, I can't do this, I'm rubbish, I'm oh, this is so painful, this is so hard. And when you push through that and you get to the finish line and you think, Wow, I have actually done this. This is amazing. Like I've overcome my brain telling me that I'm rubbish and that I can't do it and I've I've done it. Yeah, it's very true. It's very true. I like that. Um, I really hope to see many more women. 
um, on the starting lines. Um, but I've been really enjoying lately following races because I feel like it is evolving and they are more um, and it's been great to see. Well, I can tell you personally, like I follow a lot of ultra races. I think probably there are more races where the women's race is more exciting than the men's. You know, like, I agree. Um, yeah, like Dragon's Back there a few weeks ago. That was a prime example. The women's race was really exciting. Um, like, you know, I, I obviously don't know what it was like watching Tour de Géants, but like for for my race, you know, the first and second day, um, uh, top five women were all within really close times of each other. And I ran with um, kind of the the... The th- there was three of us that ran together and we kept swapping places for quite a long time. And it was, you know, it was just constant, like back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And uh, yeah, so, you know, from a spectator point of view, you just never know who's going to go out the checkpoint first or who's going to come into the checkpoint first and stuff like that. And it's really exciting. And yeah, and I see that more and more that the women's races are more exciting than the men's in some instances. Um, to finish, I have three fire questions. Um, the first one is, who inspires you? Uh, a lot of people, really. So um, I think, yeah, there's a lot of people who inspire me. So, yeah, I'm well, basically, I'm inspired by female athletes who can achieve fantastic things, especially in ultra running. And there's just so many out there. Like you can just you can just keep listing them. You know, you've got Courtney DeWalter, you've got Camille Heron, you've got Jasmine Paris, a fellow vet, uh, Sabrina Virgie, she's a fellow vet, um, you know, Beth Pascal, Fee Pascal, like there's Nikki, uh, Nikki Spinks. I mean, she's absolutely legendary, you know, um one of the original, you know, female ultra runners. You know, there's just so many. You, I can just keep naming them, and and there's little bits that I take away from each of them, and um, yeah. So there's just so many of them, and I love following their journeys and what they're doing and how they're getting on and stuff. And it's just yeah, yeah. And who would you like to hear on this podcast? Ooh, that's a good one. Who would I like to hear? Um, do they are they British? British, uh, British based or? doesn't have to be it can be anything um i think it would be quite good to get fee pascal on i think she's uh yeah she's um beth pascal's sister she's taking the ultra running world by storm so it'd be interesting to see her on the show great i'd love that and the last one to finish it what is your favorite running song or podcast so i don't really listen to music when i run um yeah, no, I don't. But if I had a playlist, non-running playlist, always the song that's going to be at the top of that playlist is Everywhere by Fleetwood Mac. I just love that song. Great. Thank you so much. It was super great to talk to you. Thanks for coming on. And yeah, looking forward to following you on many more races. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you very much. Thanks. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this conversation. We would love to have your feedback or if you feel like sharing it with someone or putting it up on Instagram, we always like to know where you are tuning in from. Don't forget to also sign up to the Shitrail Substack to stay tuned on the upcoming stories coming out. Talk to you all soon and keep exploring.